0: This week, I had the opportunity to visit with Joe Dillon. Joe is an entrepreneur and he's also a deal maker. He has uh, facilitated a number of, of transactions and most recently, he's been doing a number of jump parks. And I thought it would be interesting for us to sit down and visit about what he's seeing in the marketplace um, because it's an expanding industry. And I think that uh, anybody that is in the children's entertainment world can learn a few things from him. So enjoy my conversation with Joe Dillon.
1: Please welcome, please welcome, welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable. Learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now here's your host, Ed MisoGland.
0: I'm your host, Ed Meisiglund. I teach business owners how to build value and identify and remove risks in their business so that one day they can sell at maximum value when they want, how they want, and to whom they want. On today's show, I am stoked. I have Joe Dillon. Joe is an entrepreneur, a deal maker, and he has agreed to come on and visit with us about valuing entertainment facilities and sky zones and jump parks and things like that. So, Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Ed. Well, I guess right out of the gate, uh, how about a little overview of Joe Dillon?
1: Sure. You know, I started out like a lot of entrepreneurs did. I started out with a mowing business when I was 12 years old and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, transitioned into being a ice hockey official at the age of 13, did that for about 30 years. Um, and then uh, I, I've just kind of progressed throughout my career, started a couple of businesses and, um, Started a franchise and sold a franchise and and here I am today. So um I'm invested in four or five different little businesses right now and I own a sky zone. So I'm excited to be on your show.
0: Well, right on. Well I'm 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 stoked about it. Uh we've been talking about it for some time. Uh but I guess right out of the gate, Sky Zones. I mean I mean that's the, the latest and greatest as far as entertainment for kids,
1: right? Yeah. Um it's a it's it's been a great business for us. Um we we've been in business for seven years now and um the industry is constantly evolving and changing um and i think that's the key to this business obviously if a jumper comes to your park once or twice a year and it's the same every time they come in they get a little bored with what you're doing so innovating your parks and bringing new things into your park is key to making this business go
0: so as we look at value i mean how how does that work where is value tied in the in the sky zone
1: well um you know, EBITDA and your your everyday revenue is the biggest part of that. So um, the Jump Park, I don't know what the industry averages are, but um, the Skies on average, you know, they're going to average between three and $500,000 worth of EBITDA on an annual basis. Um, and obviously, a lot of these parks are absentee owned, so it brings a lot of opportunity potential investors that don't want to be there drudging through the day-to-day. Um, if you have the opportunity to own one and work in it, I think it's a bigger opportunity because um, you can keep your eyes on all the balls in the air and do all the negotiating locally and uh, really help add value that way as well. So
0: the balls in the air, what does that mean in, in sky zone land?
1: Well, you know, we, we uh, it, it, you, you got to look at that business as a retail business and um, you've got 60 to 70 employees. You've got two or three full-time managers. Um, you have to constantly be innovating both your concession area um, and all of your different attractions within the park, as well as, you know, your video game aspect, depending on what you want to do there. Um, so keeping all of those things moving in sync and up and running is vital to keep the business successful. So
0: innovation, what does that, what does that mean?
1: Um, so innovation. So when sky zones first opened, they basically had four things that they could do. They had a main court where you could jump. They had a dodgeball court. They had a foam pit that you could jump into and a sky slam. So it was a couple of different basketball hoops you could slam into. Um, as that business has evolved, it was really cool for the first couple, three times people came to it, um, but then kids started to get bored with those four things. So now we have things hanging from the ceiling. We have a warrior course. We have a climbing wall. We have a warped wall, and we have parkour blocks. There's just uh, just doing different things within your park to make it new every time that a child comes in or a jumper comes in is key to having them come back again.
0: But you do all this within the same four walls. You don't have to build out anything.
1: No, no, we don't build out anything. We just change within um, parkour blocks, um, You know, adding barriers on the dodgeball court so people can hide behind them, just doing different things. Um, we also added glow lighting, so that kind of gives you a different feel in the park when you've got lasers and, and, the, and the lights are out. So just doing different things for different programming. Programming is a big deal to be successful. If you... If you don't have big programs, we started lock-ins a couple of years ago. So, oh, what does that mean? So, you know, with the, they drop them off at 11 p.m. They oh. pick them up at 7 a.m., just like the old church thing. Really? Um, but, you know, if you program that out, you know, parents have a lot of questions when they're going to drop sure. their child off from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. and who's going to be there and all especially of that. this one right <laughs> um, but we, we truly lock the door we have uh, we have metal wands and scan the kids and make sure they don't have any contraband on them and and then we lock them in on them play video games and have dodgeball contests and mambo dancing and all kinds of fun stuff um, but doing things like that that can generate five or eight thousand dollars worth of revenue in one night are keys to making that business successful long term
0: so the day-to-day it's the special events or where where the the val or the, the profit is?
1: So the day to day is really where the profit is. I mean if you're oh, sold really? out, you're running a capacity, you know, you're making two or three thousand dollars an hour when it comes to revenue and you're running the park for I don't know, hundred grand a month. So you can you can be very successful just doing your day to day where you see the big jump. So if you're gonna get a five or ten thousand dollar increase when you know you're averaging hundred and twenty or one hundred thirty thousand dollars a month in revenue, you'll you'll see a big bump there.
0: It but it's not a membership type environment or, or is it a recurring
1: revenue type model? That's very interesting that you ask. We actually just started the membership program really, and people were concerned about that. So we have three different memberships. So basically you pay 20 bucks a month or $25 a month or $39 a month and it's different tiers. So it's 60 minutes every day of jumping for the the basic membership. Your elite membership gives you 90 minutes and then your supreme membership gives you unlimited jumping. Um, people are concerned about capacity in our park. We have about 170 capacity spots, so we can have 170 jumpers an hour and we haven't really run into capacity issues. The good thing about memberships is it's recurring revenue, you know, they're coming and usually people are bringing a friend. It's not that much fun to come to Sky Zone by yourself, right? So traditionally that has, from what we've seen at the start of our program, we've got about 600 members now. That's been really beneficial to our business.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say from a from a value standpoint, I I gotta imagine that that, that does some considerable amplification of value.
1: Yeah, we have roughly fifteen thousand dollars of membership revenue right now, and we're hoping to grow that to twenty five to thirty thousand. Um, it costs me roughly ninety thousand dollars to run our park, um, all in for a month. Um, so just having that built in base is really sure. beneficial to uh and hopefully continue to grow it.
0: So is, is this just your park, or is this franchise-wide?
1: Um, so it's rolled out to the franchise system. Um, we were one of the pilot parks, so we were one of the first ones to do it. I would say roughly 40% of the parks are offering memberships at this point. Why wouldn't everybody? Well, some people are concerned with capacity. Some people are really? letting others take the, take the risk and see what happens next. Um, but it's been well-received from our Guests, and uh, I, I think the people that are the, the franchise partners that are doing it are, are happy with it. So. so,
0: tell me about the franchise what's the background? How long they've been doing it?
1: Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So, Skyzone was the very first franchise they kind of created the industry as far as trampoline parks go. Um, it was started for uh, basically TV. They had, I don't know what it was called, but it was like basically basketball and trampolines, and it was like they were going to try to create a professional league for it, and that didn't work out. But, um, Rick Platt had a built the the stadium quote unquote for what it was and basically a bunch of trampoline beds and uh, the local kids wanted to come over on the weekends and jump. So he said, okay, just throw $5 in a coffee can and come jump and came in about a month after he started that and had a bunch of $5 bills in his coffee can and said, really? I think this is a great idea. So,
0: Oh my gosh. W- um, I wish I would have thought of that. Before. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> you um, too, huh? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So um they, they did they opened their first franchise park in two thousand two thousand and ten, 2010 and i think they have a little over 200 parks right now within the system
0: how does a franchise like that what what do they support you know what i mean because mm-hmm. you all the the infrastructure the build-out is done what do they do on the back end
1: they do um so here's the, the biggest thing for them is they provide the insurance right oh, so a sure. big thing it's, it's hard for somebody who's going to come with this business plan to go to a a carrier and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then them want to pay for it. Right. So, right. um, so they, they, they help negotiate that. That's core of stuff. We have an umbrella policy. So all the parks are using the same insurance carrier. Um, obviously the colors, obviously they help with the supplies, you know, the socks and the foam cubes and stuff like that. Um, they also help develop all of the new innovations and test those and make sure they're safer to be in your parks. So that's kind of what they provide as far as support.
0: So, you've been on a tear selling these things. So tell me about, you know, what's the market for them?
1: Yeah, I think this is a, a, it's a great business because, you know, being, being in the broker world for a little bit now, it's people are looking for absentee owned businesses. And truly, if you have the right people run your parks, um, it is, uh, it's an absentee run business. So um, people are very interested in that. Also generates quite a bit of revenue. Um, Not, your typical amount of revenue for businesses doing 2 million or one eight or whatever. So the revenue is pretty good. The return on it's pretty good. Um, So I think those are the two things that attract people to them. And then um, if you're a good operator and you really understand the business and you've had some business experience, um, the business isn't that hard to run, right? It's like a lot of businesses. It's really the people you have running your park and uh, making sure you're on top of them and you've got your processes in place. Um, but it's pretty straightforward from there. So hire the right people, let them do their job. And it's an absentee run business.
0: Yeah. Well, that's always the the hardest part is finding the right people. So in the deals that you've been doing, what do those employees look like?
1: Your customer is really your nine to 15 year old. Right. Um, but what you find is your mom is your biggest customer, right? Cause she's bringing the kids. So you have to have someone that mom's going to trust when she walks in the door. Right. So, we've hired younger managers Has doesn't always work out the best in my opinion, it's your 35 to 45 year old um, person who's had some restaurant experience or and understands evenings and weekends. Right. Cause sure. we need your, you need your general manager there when you're open. Right. I don't need my general manager there from eight to two on Tuesday and Monday. I need them there on Friday night and Saturday night when sure. the place is hopping.
0: So. What does a typical manager make?
1: And you, this, yeah, the system is, uh, is wide-ranging, but you're going to find, uh, you know, our, our, I think our general manager makes in $65,000 range. So we, we incentivize them based on their performance. Um, pretty straightforward performance structure, so and they are happy with it. Um, but I think incentivizing them a little bit is always helpful. And then, you know, giving them a reasonable base.
0: So when the buyer comes in, they're they're looking at that manager, or or they just lo- are they looking at the operator as where the value is in the process, or are they looking at you know how to, all right, I can I can remove myself and I just have to find a sixty five thousand dollars food and beverage manager type person. In,
1: in every park that I have sold, the biggest one of the biggest parts of it was that the management team would stay in place. So people aren't coming in and wanting to run the parks. They want to maintain what they have and what they know and uh, and take it from there and step into the franchise partner shoes and kind of deal with the big stuff behind the scenes. So, so what is
0: big stuff behind the scenes?
1: Um, just dealing with corporate, making sure the royalties are all square, doing, making sure you're on top of your advertising and doing all of that stuff. Um, and then making sure your staff is good, right? So you've got to, you can't have. A one a two in this business. As far as managers go, we, we run with two full-time managers. You need two ones because your one's going to leave, right? There's no question. I like guess this is a business where they're going to last two to four years. If you're lucky um, because it's evenings and weekends and people just get tired. Right? So when you get in trouble is when you aren't prepared with a bench of managers and nobody can step up and be the general manager. So. so, so
0: for a sky zone, operator right now they're they're looking at at it from the standpoint of you know my business will be worth more if i have bench strength
1: absolutely yep and that's uh that's always the biggest concern when i talk to potential buyers is how's the management team right who do we have how long have they been there what's their background they're they're, they're really interested in that information um because like i said i haven't sold one yet where there was going to be somebody who went in and replaced the managers and ran the park got it so what what do the buyers look like? Um, they come from all walks of life. Um, you know, you've got some older buyers who've are retiring and want to buy them for their children and help oversee them kind of develop. Um, and then you've got, um, entrepreneurs who really want to expand their portfolio and diversify. So it's a whole wide range of people who inquire about Sky Zones and end up buying
0: them. You know, I, I know value differs depending on, um, which, just the the metrics of the respective business, but is there is there any consistency on you know this makes a, a sky zone more saleable.
1: Um, is there a threshold as far as revenue or cash flow or people? Right. Yep. No, so it, it's like any business, right? So you don't want to see continual declining revenue and declining profit. You want to see a healthy business that has been able to perform consistently and shown a profit. Um so I, I wouldn't say that anything's more sellable. Um, obviously, the less competition in the area is always an interest of a potential buyer. Um, but other than that, it's it's pretty straightforward, just like valuing any other business.
0: You brought up competition. What are the competitors?
1: Yeah, so we have, uh, well, there's several competitors. You've got your mom and pops who just decide they're going to go buy some trampolines and throw them in a barn and I, how and do How that. do
0: they do that and and, <laughs> and afford it? Right. I mean, from an insurance standpoint, because I... I I mean, just yeah, in insurance in general.
1: Yeah, I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it. I haven't done it, um, but it's, don't, uh, don't want to go. It's an interesting, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting concept, but I'm sure it costs them a little extra. Oh man. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's 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 a very interesting business.
0: So with the competitors who, so you've got yeah. your mom and pops that mm. that throw something up in a
1: barn. Yep. Good
0: luck, uh, Junior. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Hope to see you later. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. And then Ur- urban air is kind of uh, burst onto the scene in the last couple of years. They have a little different concept. It's a, it's a bigger facility and uh, they charge more um, compared to what a sky zone traditionally does. Um, but they're coming in with 50, 60, hundred thousand square foot facilities and putting in bumper cars and electric go-karts and doing all kinds of fun stuff as well as some of the warrior course and glider coasters and stuff like that. Um, it's a whole different business model, right? The build out on those parks is going to be three and a half to 5 million. Um, so they're going to have to charge Disneyland prices for a long time to really be successful, in my opinion. Um, and we'll see that they've, they really, uh, they, they did a lot of building a couple of years ago and open parks. So they're kind of getting into that point now where their parks are getting a little older and we'll see if they can sustain the revenue from, from when they open.
0: Well, I, I know that just over the, the 30 years that that I've been doing it in different entertainment-related facilities, that those that have you know, multiple streams tend to do worse. You know, multiple entertainment streams of revenue, as yeah. opposed to staying in your lane and being really good at at what you do. So, yeah, there's probably some some. Some merit to what you were saying.
1: Yeah. They, they, you know, they're, they're doing indoor skydiving and they're, and it's a, it's a, it's a a million dollar machine that they use for that. So it'll be interesting to see what the returns are on it and see how successful they can be in sustaining. Um, But have the buyers,
0: did they care? Yeah. I mean, is there enough differentiation that they say, you know, we're, we're not competing for the same audience. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think. Urban Air is a direct competitor of Sky Zone. It's definitely the same audience. So can they provide over the long term what that customer is looking for and, and replicate it year over year and time after time, visit after visit? I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see.
0: Well, the, I've always looked at anything entertainment related to have disposable income. But as far as Skyzone goes, I mean, people just just go all the time.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. So in, in, in all honesty, the, in the trampoline business or the whatever park business you want to call, it, family entertainment center business that we're in, your average jumper comes less than two times per year. So if you can drive that to three times a year or four times a year, you're going to see a, a, a much bigger increase in your revenue. So how do you do that, right? Different things. If, if a kid comes to the park and has a blast in your park for an hour and a half, And they still feel like they had more stuff to do, they want to come back. Yeah. If they come to your park and spend 90 minutes in your park and they're bored because they've done everything and it's not fun, they're not coming back. Right. So, innovating, doing new things, having new things to entertain and engage them is is vital to the success, in my opinion.
0: An odd question, but I've always wanted to, to, especially since my kids went to your park, um, feeding them pizza before jumping. (laughs) I, 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 just want to yeah. know what what yeah. kind of landmine is that,
1: yeah, so that's why we do our birthday parties jumping first, and then you go to the party room I, and then I, you exit I, the building. that's okay. the way you do it, Got so, it. I, yeah,
0: I didn't know I, I when my kid would tell me that uh yeah you know, we had pizza, <laughs> I'm like,
1: oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, we actually don't have a whole lot of uh whole lot of issues with that, but yeah, yeah. we we do we do set up the birthday parties a specific way for a really? reason, right, so
0: yeah, so with the franchise has it been um you know, people buy franchises because of the system and, and the process. Is Has it been consistent to to what you expected? Right. Or is I, it evolving? I,
1: I would tell you, like any other franchise owner, that it likely isn't exactly what you thought it would be, right? So we thought we would see a little bit more on the advertising side. We have an ad fund that we contribute to on a on a monthly, actually on a biweekly basis. And uh, we don't feel like we get the bang for the buck, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of franchise partners will tell you that. Um, but all in all, the system is very solid. Um, we're the leaders in the industry. We were the first ones we really created this space and, um, we've gotten really good over the last 18 to 24 months at innovations and doing new cool stuff. Um, so I, I think the future is bright.
0: Back to the deals. I mean, from a, uh, lending standpoint, I mean, it hasn't been easy to get lending.
1: Yeah. I have not had any issues. I mean, you'll find some lenders are like, we won't loan you more than $500,000 on this $1.5 million park. And then you'll find several SBA lenders that will give you 95% financing on that part. So it's just finding the right lender and who has the appetite for it. And it's just like, it's just like any business deal.
0: Right. Well, yep. so we know that every business deal, uh, especially that has financing, they're looking at the the person's resume or the buyer's resume. What, what does that resume need to look like?
1: Um, usually just having some experience owning your own business. Oh, that's so what, that's a, oh, yeah, that's what they're looking
0: for. Okay. And as far as structure, I mean, what did the what did the structure typically look like, or was was there similarities between the the deals you've done
1: when you talk about structure? Structure of deal structure. Um, yeah, some you know, it's just like any deal. Like some people want to hold back, some people want to earn out, just depending on what it looks like. But um, and some people are just going to pay straight cash for it. So it just depends. And and you know, some franchise partners want to stay on for a little bit and do some call, consulting and help and. You know, some just want to take their money and run. So it, it just depends on, on, on the franchise partner and the potential buyer of what, what the deal ends up looking like. Got it.
0: So with, the, um, with those that, that sought cash or got cash, how, ba- how big of a discount was it? Or was
1: there any? Uh, there's no discount. I mean, it's, it's a traditional business deal. And, you know, I think in this business, you look at three to three and a half times as your kind of guide for an EBITDA multiple um and then you negotiate from there so it's it. it there's really no deal for cash got that it sense. no no
0: that's fine so that so then the merits of financing you know i i so you got 95 percent financing so then i guess if i'm the buyer i'm looking at all right i'm walking into a, a a new business that i don't know a whole lot about i'm gonna go get support from the franchisor how do i mitigate that risk you know, mitigate just business owner risk.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. You got to do your due diligence and really understand your market and understand what's going on. And then uh, I think the most successful buyers I have seen have really kept things status quo for at least three to six months and really get in and understand the business and then understand where they can make that impact. Now you will occasionally have someone who buys a, a, a sky zone that, has several other parks. Obviously he's got his own little way of doing things or she has her different way of doing things. But, um, moving forward, I would say a a new buyer traditionally is going to really sit back and absorb things for a couple three, six months and then make their decisions on what they want to do, move the business forward.
0: Are you aware of any, any amount of attrition from the employees on when, you know, I know that's a big concern of business owners Mm -hmm. coming in that, uh, that, you know, all of a sudden new ownership, that means I'm getting fired or, you know, there's going to be a change. Have you experienced that?
1: No. I mean, so y- y- that's always the concern, right? Sure. Um, but, y- you know, you're, you're, you're hand in hand with your general manager on a, on a daily basis. So if you have that relationship and they understand why the transition is taking place, they can make their own decisions, right? Um, but they also understand that the reason, one of the big reasons that the business was purchased was because of them, right? And I think that makes them feel good. Um,
0: well, you know the funny thing is that so many don't understand that, and they are the value.
1: They're the value. Right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, man And uh, you know we've talked about retention bonuses and stuff like that. And sometimes a new a new owner will incentivize with a small ownership percentage that vests over five years or something like that. If they're really, if 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 it's the right general manager. But um, I, I don't. You know, your general manager really usually takes pride in their park because they're running it on a daily basis. And I think sometimes they're. They're not that concerned with who the owner is. So I, we've not had any big attrition rates because a new owner came sure. in.
0: Well, that's awesome. So why are people getting out now? Is it just, it's time, um you know, multiples are up.
1: Yeah, I mean, stock, stock market's at an all-time high. You've got a lot, um, especially in the Sky Zone system. You know, we opened a bulk of our parks probably in 14 and 15, some to 16. Um, But, you know, we've got park owners now that when they opened their park, their kids were 10, 12 years old and now they're in college. So it's a different, it's not so cool now that your kids are in college and they don't want to bring their friends to sky zone, right? Like they did when they were 12. So I think you've got some of that and, you, and you've got um, parks that are performing year over year over year and people want to go do different things. So I know one franchise partner sold his three parks and he's opening tropical smoothies cause he can do it locally and he's got less of a headache, right? Cause he doesn't have as big of a, staff. So it's just, you never know where it's going to go. Well, what, um,
0: I guess the advice that you would give sky zone owners that one, is it the right time to sell Two, what, what should you expect? And three, if you're going to evaluate a, a deal guy, that's going to represent or, or can you do it yourself? I mean, what, what are those, what are the, the ingredients there? So the first one is, you know, what, what should, how do I know if I'm ready?
1: Yeah. So, you know, paying attention to your business obviously is vital. So um, what we run into a lot of times is people want to sell their business, right? When it's on a downtrend, right? And it's hard when you approach a a broker and say, hey, I need you to sell my business, but we've got $50,000 of profit over the last 12 months, right? So um, really having a plan and understanding what your exit strategy is and what you want to do. I mean, you it's a little bit cyclical um as far as revenue goes for a sky zone so you've got annually or no throughout the year right so um obviously spring break is a big time for a sky zone and so is a fall break so if the kids are out of school it's usually a good day for a sky zone um but really understanding that and watching your year over year trends and then understanding do I need to put some money and in, back into my business and do some renovations and then you know ideally you don't have any concerns from a potential buyer if your business is trending upwards. Right? Yeah. The biggest concern is if you have two or three years of declining revenue and declining profit and no end in sight. So.
0: So I know a lot of franchises that that it's we're now at a point where remodels need to start taking place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Do the do the buyers penalize the seller for that remodel?
1: Um. Do the buyers? Yeah. So, so yeah, so, if, right. if, if mm-hmm. I'm looking at your park yeah. and, and
0: yep. you need to put a half a million dollars in it yep. and right. they're not going to transfer yep. that, you know, who, who gets, who gets stuck with that bill?
1: Right. Yeah. And that, and that's uh that is it. That's definitely a point of contention. So in, in, in part of the negotiations, like some franchise partners don't recognize that If they put $300,000 into the park, they could see a five or $800,000 improvement. Um, but it happens, it happens multiple times in multiple parks every year. Um, but when potential buyers are looking at a park, they're usually interested if they have a warrior course, they have a warped wall, if they have a climb wall. If they don't, um, you have to understand that's gonna be an investment you're gonna probably need to make, right? And then what is that gonna to do to your revenue? So sure. um it, the trend is probably gonna be up fourteen percent as is what the skies on average is. I've seen parks be up sixty percent. So this depends on on what it is and what you've done and how good you are at marketing? Yeah. Um,
0: so, so what's the what's the workaround? I mean, have let's split it. Let's you eat it, I eat it, uh, or or is has there been no consistency?
1: Uh, there's there's been no consistency, but mm-hmm. I mean that is and uh, a franchise partner recognizes if they don't have a warrior course that there's opportunity and they're probably going to put one in if they buy the park. So that is probably taken as a little bit of a discount when you're selling it. Got that it. Sense. So
0: so if I'm a if I'm a new buyer and I'm looking at, you know, I, I got to put in a warrior horse. Yep. I mean, does that does that scare me or do I see the opportunity?
1: It's case by case, but yeah, uh, okay. if you don't have one and you're in a good demographic area, it, it's definitely an opportunity.
0: Speaking of which, what are the what what are good demographics?
1: Yeah. So it, I it,
0: have to imagine affluent, isn't it?
1: Uh, not necessarily affluent, just a lot of, a lot of house to, tops around. So okay. you know, we we um, when Skyzone first started, it was a million people in the territory and oh. it's in a 30 minute drive and then it went down to 500,000. Now it's down to 250,000. So I, I would say 500,000 people in your demographic is, is a really good start. Um, it's really hard to screw that one up, I think. Um, but it happens. And, um, you know, the territories are pretty much so all set now. So it's not like you're going to negotiate a territory. So it is what it is kind of.
0: How do I determine whether or not, I know you said from a preparation standpoint, I mean, you go through the normal exit planning, but Mm -hmm. from how do I know that my, my park is going to get optimal value?
1: Um, So, you know, I I think the biggest part of selling any business is obviously exposure, right? So a lot of times business owners are concerned with people finding out that, you know, we're selling the park, but confidentiality is a a big part of it, uh, of a concern of a potential buyer or seller. Um, but exposure is the other thing that you really have to have to create the right pool to create the best value for that business. So, um, you know, as, as a broker working here at IBA, um, we have a lot of, a lot of opportunities to get exposure to a business in this price range. Um, and I think that's vital to, to really drive up the business and the opportunity. So, so, so the,
0: the, 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 the buyers have been predominantly individuals as opposed to growing through growing market share or no. Yeah. Yeah. Is, so it's been yeah. individual buyers individual versus I'm, I'm looking at growing, buying a park mm. to add on to my other five.
1: Yeah. It's both. Um, really? but it, usually that, yeah, I would say it's both, but the ones we've been seeing that really get advertised are usually local buyer. And that's what, that's probably yeah. the best buyer to yeah. be honest.
0: I guess you and but those that, from a corporate standpoint that are buying, is there are, are you seeing a premium? Uh, like, strate- look, I'm, I'm, I'm buying, I've got uh, two places here in Indianapolis. I'm going to buy a third, and now I have the, the market. Are they paying a premium over and above or no?
1: Um, it, it depends. I've seen premiums paid. Um, so there's a potential for that. But in general, I think it's your three to three and a half times a multiple.
0: So how do I know if I'm able to sell this myself? You know, I'm a, I'm an mm-hmm. advocate. You know that y- you need somebody that's done this a few gazillion times. I, I just I just am right, and that the value that the advisor would bring, whether it's a broker or an accountant, I, I don't care who it is, but right. somebody that's gone down this path. I mean, what what should a Sky Zone operator expect from working with with you or any business owner working with you? Sure.
1: Um, so, you know, obviously the biggest, the biggest part of your financial package is your financial package, right? So we need to know the numbers and really understand that. And then, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, 12 months to 18 months to really put a plan in place if you are ready to sell. So understanding that um, and really being able to set up your financials for when you are ready to sell. Now, you can look at your financials right now and be ready to sell. It just kind of depends. Um, but exploring that and understanding that, is vital to being able to sell the business comfortably and confidently. It's not a simple process. It's not like you go to the grocery store and buy a six pack of beer, right? It is a long process. Having all the documentation that you need to provide to a potential buyer, it takes a little bit of time. So having that conversation with a broker or an accountant or someone who has dealt with business transactions is vital. Just so you have all of your ducks in a row when you do find that Iron that is going to provide you with the exit that you would like. So where can we find you? <laughs> I'm right beside Ed Meiselglan. Come on, come on over. <laughs> I'm with Indiana business advisors.
0: Okay. Well, Joe, uh, I can't thank you enough for taking this time uh, to to visit with us. Is there anything, any parting advice you have for your, your sky zone brethren?
1: No, I just uh, pay attention to financials, really understand it. And um, you know, Plan for your next renovation. Um, it's 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 vital, and you usually see a bump in your business. So if you're going to keep it for the long term, make sure you're uh, driving the business and uh, hire a good marketing guy. Awesome. Well, Joe,
0: thanks so much for being here, and uh, thank you for being a defender of business value. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Ed. This was another episode of
0: the Defenders of Business Value podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to
1: increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joe. He has an awful lot of history behind him and an awful lot of deal-making that uh that he was able to impart some of that wisdom to us. Everything that Joe and I spoke about on today's show, it will be in the show notes. So if you need any references to him or to contact him or me, please find that in the show notes at defendersofbusinessvalue.com forward slash podcast.